Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who I can now officially call a dollar because he found the fourth quarter, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? I am so pissed at you, Mike. You're not gonna, you're not gonna dull this shine. My Baltimore Ravens just won the first back-to-back win. They just, I, I have, yes, I agree. And you're right to throw a barb. And I was very nervous throughout the entire fourth quarter that Tom Brady was going to gain weight, get unfrustrated, and throw some touchdowns. Brandon, I don't know why you thought that was a barb. I was stating what was a positive to come out of Thursday night football. And positive and Thursday night football have not been words we've gotten used in the same sentence. And we're going to get to use them on what is going to be a wonderful Friday on this podcast. we got a great show. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out on YouTube and the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist. We're going to look at back at Thursday night football as the Baltimore Ravens righted the biggest wrong so far of their season, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers appear to be in a tailspin. We're going to look ahead to this weekend to see if Tom Brady's counterpart and Aaron Rodgers will continue his tailspin. If we can get some revenge in the NFC West, we're going to look at a big-time college game this weekend that involves the state that Brandon lives in right now. we got a lot of fun things we're going to get to. Six thick picks. Brandon Newman, spooky underdog, Locktober play of the weekend. All these things on the menu. Brandon, I wanted to let you celebrate your Ravens win here. You're dressed to the nines. You feel great. I want to let you own this moment. Okay, well then, shut the fuck up. Uh, for two seconds then um, because pay the man is the is the uh, mantra right now I don't know if it really should be uh, beat to death because 
Lamar Jackson really only turned it on in the second half uh, after Greg Roman made his adjustments. But shout us out to some players of the game, right? Tom Brady, player of the game, sacked twice in a row by Justin Houston, uh, 325 yards uh, passing. I think that's important, Mike. Uh, and if it wasn't for Tom Brady being so checked out of football and, and uh, struggling from senioritis, Maybe the Ravens don't get this win. So, yes, thank you, Tom Brady, first player of the game. Second player of the game, Isaiah Likely. Six receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown. His first touchdown, uh, very dependable, and we needed him after Mark Andrews was down, Rashad Bateman was down this game, and then you got Lamar Jackson. Not doing it with his legs, Mike. Doing it with his feet, or his arms, excuse me. His hands. His, Not doing the, it with his legs, doing it with his feet, with. which I actually think is an important distinction because we neglect the feet when we talk about quarterbacks that have that ability, right? They're not just running around on yes. stumps. They got feet. I was thinking about that too. And also how, how important feet are to throwing a football. Like imagine, you know, imagine Mr. Krabs throwing a football. Probably not great at it. Uh, but anyways, yes, Lamar Jackson with 27 for 38, uh, 250. 38 yards and two touchdowns, Mike. It just – it. I, I was nervous for this game. We talked about the fear that Tom Brady puts in the team's hearts. That was me because uh, Tom Brady hadn't lost three games in a row uh, in two decades. So, to, see, th- to think that my Baltimore Ravens were going to be the reason why he lost that game was uh, – it was a tall order, but I'm I'm very happy to see what happened. I, I'm I'm rejuvenated for football, Mike. It was a great game. Defense was all over the place. We have retired like people that were off the bench, Justin Houston, Jason Pierre-Paul, and those guys are making Tom Brady's life a living hell. I still I'm very questionable about uh, Marlon Humphreys out there. Uh, I think Mike Evans just sunned him. You saw everyone saw why those referees were waiting for an autograph from Mike Evans because he had a great game. They should probably start leaning on Mike Evans to Tom Brady a little bit more than they are. But I feel like Tom Bo- Todd Bowles is, like, asleep. I don't really know if he cares about uh, coaching football. He looks the most disinterested head coach in the NFL right now. And Tampa Bay, honestly, like, the Ravens proved how bad they are by letting Tom Brady uh, move the ball the way he did on that. Like, it was just, it was just insane to see uh, both – offenses just do whatever they want because the defenses are so lackluster but i tell you what in that second half ravens ravens locked it up ravens locked it up in the second half yeah i i I guess that's why i want to give them the credit here for saying the ravens made the adjustments because tampa bay came out and was able to move the ball on baltimore up front they came out the game rushing the ball really well they decided to see what if you built an entire offense out of wide receiver screens how that would potentially go because there had been a stark disparity coming into this game for tom brady holding onto the ball for two and a half seconds or more versus when he had done well on that shout out to mina kimes and the job she did i believe the stat on NFL Live was Tom Brady when holding onto the ball for longer than two and a half seconds has the second lowest QBR only in front of Baker Mayfield in the NFL. So it had been that kind of season for him for all the litany of reasons that we've run down before. But before we start doing the worry thing there, 
Uh, Brandon, this was the halftime stats for the Baltimore Ravens here. Uh, Jeff Schrebeck, the senior writer over at The Athletic that covers the Ravens. Lamar was 19 of 30 for a buck 44. The Ravens had seven rushing attempts for 27 yards against a Buccaneers defense that had given up 137 yards rushing to the Panthers and allowing over six yards a carry the week before obviously bad now I could point to a bunch of football reasons why that was the case the Bucks were loading up the box the uh the Lamar Jackson led Ravens weren't really doing much in the downfield passing game they lost uh Mark Andrews early on in this game to a shoulder injury who was already having a you know bit hobbled this week coming into the game Rashad Bateman went out I believe in the third quarter of this game so you started looking around and the weapons were not really there that's why I give so much credit. Greg Roman takes a lot of shit and deservedly so for what's gone on with the passing attack in this offense. And that will still be a story for another day because it's not like the passing structure was dynamic in this game. They just didn't need it because this Bucks defense is tapped. Done. Mm-hmm. And you could say part of that is the offense not staying on the field for very long here, getting run out of the club, all those things that add up over time for the defense. But man alive, the Devin White problem on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, not going away. The second half of that game was basically Baltimore figuring out how many plays they could run that targeted 45 and Pewter. And it's tough, Brandon, because he was a player that got a lot of acclaim coming off that Super Bowl run. But in actuality, in that linebacker room is certainly the lesser of the names involved. And so the second... Barrett was was the guy who deserved all the all the name recognition during that run and they just lost him to injury tonight yeah the report after the game i mean the 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 bad news goes to worse we'll get to that with the bucks as shack or shack barrett excuse me looks like he could be lost for the season to an achilles but Baltimore just decided, all right, this is a bad rush defense. They figured it out at halftime. They changed up some of their runs. They went with more wide zone stuff instead of pulling a lot of these guys. Slow developing plays that were getting bogged down in the first half turned into big gashes against this defense in the second half, really no matter who was running the ball. So you did that, a bunch of RPO passes, a bunch of move the pocket stuff. Again, it still was not a structured downfield passing game like we want to see from Greg Roman for Lamar Jackson. But in this game, when you had a clear advantage, this is the NFL. You take it and you win with that and you figure it out going forward. You're not getting reps up in practice against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady like it's just something to do. So, yeah, all all that is true. I think they deserve a ton of credit for what they did offensively. Yeah, but it's still Tom Brady and the Bucs, and they still won a Super Bowl in recent memory. So... I'm getting that uh, that jubilation, that that rush that comes from beating a bad football team with a good name. Well, and but I think it's also a rush of your team doing what it hadn't even against lackluster football teams. You finished the game Man. out. You went and just ran the ball down their throat, and you had an answer for every situation that Tampa Bay presented in the second half of this game, even when guys started getting hurt. You had the final drive where you made use of Devin DuVernay and that speed. You were hitting them in the East-West Man. run game. You were getting, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum, your center, was body bagging folks downfield during this game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand it's a bad defense i'm saying in the second half of this game they treated them like a bad defense that was exactly how they went out and executed true true and i and all faith goes to lamar uh as as we should especially against nfc teams mike the stat that i saw after the game was staggering to me lamar jackson 13 and 3 against nfc opponents in his career 
first two losses from NFC opponents was the first two losses of his career. Also happened in October. October 21st, 2018, lost to New Orleans Saints. Then October 28th, next week, lost to the Carolina Panthers. And then, Mike, he went on a tear beating every NFC team until he lost to the Giants. Until, well, obviously, winning isn't a quarterback stat, Mike, but until his Ravens-led team lost to the New York Giants, who's a bus of a team, uh, in October on the 16th of uh, last month, or last week. So I just obviously very spooky, but overall, the thought of how strong the AFC is, like obviously Lamar Jackson is an MVP caliber quarterback, but he doesn't show up sometimes or shows up in the wrong ways by creating plays that help the Ravens lose games that they're supposed to be winning. The fact that the NFC is not a threat to Lamar Jackson is something I'm going to be thinking about moving forward when I'm looking at lines to come. Yeah, it, it's, it is true because, I mean, you look at the tire fire that is the NFC and this is where we can shift some of the blame because, again, Baltimore deserves a ton of credit. They got to get healthy now. Weathered injury, they're going to have a chance to get healthy coming off this game. But certainly got to get Rashad Bateman back. Definitely have to have Mark Andrews back. As great as it was to see the Isaiah likely coming out party, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina, who is an awesome player in college. Not surprised he's been an awesome player, especially in this offense in the NFL. Lamar Jackson taking the sign from the stands after the game that said pay him and making sure he autographed it for the fan in view of all the cameras. That guy, chestnut checkers, baby. Chestnut checkers. He's different. He is different, but the NFC side, this is the stat. Anish Shroff, friend of the program and play-by-play voice for the Carolina Panthers, tweeted this out, that when the Ravens beat the Bucks, it now sets up this weekend the Panthers playing for first place in the NFC South on Sunday. Brandon? P.J. Walker, baby. Brandon, in the NFC South right now, you have the Atlanta Falcons at three and four. The Carolina Panthers are two and five. They could be three and five and in first place in that tire fire of a division because the Saints are so injured at quarterback that they've decided they're just going to start Andy Dalton for the duration. And the Tom Brady led Bucks have basically atrophied at every possible position. I heard you reference it off the top. Tom Brady looks like weirdly skinny. They showed that pro that shot of him from the back on the sky cam on the field before the game. And I was like, I understand he's never been a a bulky guy but I underestimated really how skinny he was until he took until he tried to take off down in the red zone and looked like he was gonna try and run for it and then we remembered oh, yeah. he cannot run and I was amazed they didn't throw a flag on the hit on that play so uh impressive effort from the 45 year old Mike I, I it looks like and I, I don't like to say we're not gonna make fun of his uh family life right now his home life right now but it looks like his wife isn't cooking him meals now, obviously, it's not a woman's job to make meals for someone, but it just looks like he's missed plenty of Brandon, meals, Mike. It looks, it looks like a guy who hasn't eaten, like, a nightshade or a strawberry or even thought about a carb in years. We've heard about his <laughs> wild-ass diet. Of course he's going to be skinny there. He's not putting but, anything okay. substantive in. Oh, I, okay, that's one thing, Mike, but can you explain why the entire Buccaneers team or at least I won't say the team. The defense looks like they were put at a disadvantage from playing in Tampa Bay. Like it was, it seemed like it was too hot out there for. Well, it seemed like it was too hot because the Ravens, especially from the third quarter on, were on the field for so long. I mean, time of possession. I can check that out right now because it seemed like it was overwhelmingly in favor of Baltimore. Let's see what this. Uh, I mean, that last 
that nail in the coffin drive was 86 yards, nine plays. Yeah, time time of possession. Baltimore, 38 minutes and 23 seconds to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 21 minutes and 37 seconds. And that's even with Baltimore having over 100 yards of penalty yardage in this game. Like, they went out there, and in the second half, they took the air out of that ball. Those drives were run, 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 RPO, play-action pass, cool ones dialed up like that one where they basically ran an outside zone with Lamar and then popped it behind a light. Like, it was all about them just going and physically wearing Tampa out at the point of attack. And you saw them wearing that at the end. Like, Golston, Vita Vea, these are good players Mm -hmm. that they have up front, especially in the middle there. But unfortunately, you had a linebacker that was very easy for people to pick on and a front that just overall is a far cry from what used to be the top rush defense in the league almost year in and year out from the year that Tom Brady was still in New England and came over here to now. Yeah, and you, you would imagine that with Todd Bowles being the head coach that the defense would be the one thing that isn't causing the team problems. But it's everywhere. And I, 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 I'm confused at what Tom Brady I, – I just don't – I just don't see Tom Brady making a resurgence and saving this team. Like this is – this feels like a Super Bowl hangover a year removed. Yeah, I, I, so it's it. Jeff Darlington tweeted this after the game. Todd Bowles got asked about whether uh, there will be changes to the Bucks, either coaches or players. Bowles said, quote, we're going to talk about everything this weekend. When you're not playing well, everything is on the table. We're going to discuss that as the staff. Now, I don't know what that means because you're not going to do anything with Tom Brady. This isn't a Matt Ryan situation. You don't have that kind of pull in the organization. So that's not going to happen. Mike Evans was the only bright spot in that downfield passing attack on offense there. So you're not going to do anything there. The offensive line, you're just at the mercy of who you've got available to you. You've already made a change at left guard after that difficult start to the season kept occurring. The tight end room is what it is. We know that um, Cameron Braid, I believe, was out last night in the game. So Kyle was in there. You had Kate Otten in there. Um, And then defensively, that might be where some of the conversation starts to happen here. You know, what will happen with Devin White? What is that situation going to look like since he was very clearly someone that the Ravens and others have honed in on? Um, but yeah, besides that, I mean, the trade deadline coming up, maybe this makes them sellers at certain spots at the trade deadline. I mean, with Tom Brady as your quarterback, you technically have to stay aggressive because it's about maximizing his limited window. It's not like unless you're going to do something drastic, you can really start to hit reset on this thing. That's not where you've positioned yourself as a franchise. Yeah, and I, I imagine Tom Brady's going to be staying in uh, the ears of the powers to be. Hell, Bruce Arians could be still... Uh, in that chair making some decisions but I think Aaron Rodgers who we'll talk about later I feel like Aaron Rodgers set a bad precedent for quarterbacks out here Mike because I saw Tom Brady yelling at teammates probably a little bit more than I usually do and then Lamar Jackson was ready to cut Ricard for Holden uh, when he had that that big play he like almost threw threw the ball in the back of his head like I've I'm seeing quarterbacks coming at their teammates in a way that I feel like Aaron Rodgers set the precedent on 
See, I feel like Lamar Jackson's comes from a place of love because he seems to be such a genial guy with the rest of that team. Then when he gets fired up, you know it's because he's really ticked off about it and probably because he knows those guys can handle it. Patrick Ricard is a mountain of a man. Watching him split out in the slot and run a stick route was one of the coolest things I've right. seen this season. Greg Roman is an absolute wild boy for that. No. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, wild boy. He's a wild ass boy. The fact that we got all that speed on that team, and the main person he puts in motion is Patrick Ricard. Like, I, I love it as somebody who loves uh, um, fullbacks and also loves uh, converted defensive linemen to go uh, get some touchdowns. Like, I love it. But come on, man. I mean, putting him in motion is fine because you send a cannonball running at somebody. Putting him lined up stagnant in the slot and then asking him to run a route against a linebacker probably isn't maximizing his strong suit, but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I just play one on television. So uh, Baltimore, back at, at, at really interesting spot because we'll talk about in that division, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals going to be without Jamar Chase for it looks like four to six weeks potentially. We'll talk about why that high end may not be the case in a little bit, but as that team suffers that setback, depending on what the diagnosis is for Mark Andrews coming off this game and Rashad Bateman, you've got a team that at least got a little bit of a taste of, all right, this is how we can go out and finish games. These are some of the things that we can do offensively when we need to, uh, when we are exploiting a glaring disadvantage for that opposing defense. So won't go too much primetime overreaction on this one, but fourth quarter in the books for the Ravens keeps them in good position in the AFC North. The NFC South is a mess, and the Bucks are likely going to have to look into making some sort of move around here at the deadline because you can't just stand pat with the way that this roster's been regardless of how much injury you want to talk about um all right guys let's talk about jaegermeister they could have written a totally normal ad here like a really classic ad they could have talked about their history the 56 botanicals it could have been all salesy and cutesy but they know you don't care Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Brandon, you and I want to talk about, though, how, we can, how you can go and potentially see the next Tampa Bay Buccaneers tire fire in front of your very own eyes in the stands. Yes. See, you're right now, this is buying the dip. Maybe Tom Brady and the Bucks are still able to turn this around. We all felt that little bit of magic in the first quarter when it seemed like, oh, man, maybe they're putting this together. They're getting the ball out of Tom's hands faster. The O-line looks like they're creating room for Leonard Fournette. All that stuff. You buy the dip down in Tampa, and then maybe you get to see them start to make that return because, baby, like we just said, nobody is out of the race in the NFC South. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to do that, check out our friends over at Game Time. They are the fastest-growing ticketing app. They guarantee the lowest prices on tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, shows, 
you can check all of those things out in a very easy to use app. Again, it is me proof, which means it's idiot proof, which means it's simple enough for anybody to be able to use. You go in there, you look at where you're geographically located, it pulls you up a whole menu of all the events there. You can even look and see your view in the seat that you will be potentially buying right in the app. You can do all that and then checkout takes less than 30 seconds for a low, low price that we're gonna make even lower. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and redeem promo code GOJO. Get you $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's GOJO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, download GameTime for last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Um, Brandon, we mentioned the trade deadline. We talked about some of that a little bit with dad yesterday. We had another move uh, in the NFL yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs joined the party in the trade market here. They trade with the New York Giants for their former first-round pick, wide receiver Kadarius Toney, uh, who is under contract through the 2024 season with a fifth-year option still available for 2025. Um, Brandon... As we look and now assess these, and let me pull up and just see the price tag here. Um, uh, the Giants are going to get a third-round conditional pick from Kansas City that they received when the Chicago Bears hired Ryan Poles as their general manager, and then a 2023 sixth-round selection. So two draft picks going the Giants' way for a wide receiver that once they drafted Wandell Robinson seemed like he was on the outs because he was a little bit redundant. True. Kansas City has now amassed one of every type of receiver that you could possibly yes. have in the NFL. outside. Yes. I mean, you've got a true deep threat in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You've got the under- beneath big slot player in Juju Smith-Schuster. You've got pure speed in Sky Moore for a guy that's also a special teamer for you. And now you add the ultimate gadget play player, a guy in Kadarius Tony, who when he was in college at Florida was basically like a video game joystick came to life. He led the league in glitch plays where it looked like he just went through people. Now, in two regimes, he has not been a guy that's really been on the field consistently for the New York Giants. You go back to last year with Joe Judge, struggled to be on the field consistency. Injury has certainly been a part of that, but it just never felt like it worked there. So, Brandon, looking at the Chiefs trade, the, the big trades that we've had so far before the deadline. You had the Chiefs trading for Kadarius Tony, adding at wide receiver, a position that right. was not maybe a strength, but I think has been underestimated by the NFL after the departure of Tyreek Hill. You've got Christian McCaffrey Caffrey heading to the 49ers already played in the game last weekend in a running back room that has traditionally been a position we've talked about having success in Kyle Shanahan's offense and then you had Robert Quinn traded by the Bears to the Philadelphia Eagles when you look at those three moves right now Brandon who made the most impactful move of those three teams because I will argue it was the Philadelphia Eagles I want to say it was the I want to say it's the Eagles Mike I really do but when you're talking because it's a, a, a big physical dominant defensive line adding a big physical dominant defensive lineman who also gets after the quarterback so yes Robert Quinn makes the Eagles even more dangerous but when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes being Thanos who's already powerful by himself but these individual different style uh, pass catchers like infinity stones in his hand, like Miko Hardman being the first wide receiver yeah. with two rushing touchdowns. Forgot and about Miko. Touchdown last week. And forget about forget about Miko Hardman. What about the backup tight ends? Like I'm talking about Noah Gray and Jody Fortson. Like I feel like there's there's too many options. Hilaire. I mean, like uh, like. 
Clyde well, yeah, Edwards Hilaire. Like we, there's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of weapons out there that even with injury, the the Chiefs are dangerous. Like obviously at this point in time, all these NFL teams are just strengthening their rosters. It's always it's the big teams that know what their rosters look like, and know what they need, that are just adding to the Avengers, like taking someone and just building for a NFL or for a playoff run. And these other teams are just taking draft picks. I mean the Giants are in a different situation obviously because they're in the running too. But I really like what the 49ers did, but like we said, you've talked me into Jimmy Garoppolo indifference. Like, and I don't want to be cheap and say like a wide receiver is really going to make the difference for a team, but for a team that has Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback, yeah, a wide receiver makes a huge difference. I guess my thought process, and, and listen, you're right, that all of these were adding to a known strength. Like 49ers rushing attack, known strength. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs passing attack, known strength, best in the league in so many statistics. Philadelphia, already a team full of guys rushing the pass rusher, uh, passer well. Josh Sweat, um, Hassan Reddick there. You've got plenty of guys, Brandon Graham, that are going to be hard to get off the field in the name of Robert Quinn. And that's the point. Like, Robert Quinn is... What? I mean, however many months removed from an 18-and-a-half sack season? And I understand circumstances change pretty quickly. It hadn't been that way this season, but I've referenced him all the time. Brandon Thorne, the one of the foremost experts of the trenches covering the NFL, said that guy still looks bendy and still looks like he's got a lot in the tank. And if you're looking for a move that's going to kind of mimic what the Rams did bringing Von Miller over in the middle of last season to bolster that up, it's the same sort of thing where now... Robert Quinn is going to go out there and not have to face nearly as many double teams. And I believe Doug Farrar said uh, Robert Quinn had faced maybe more double teams, something like 54 double teams so far in the season right now, outpacing even some of the better younger pass rushers in the league. So this had been a guy who had been used to drawing the lion's share of attention that now is going to be fresher than ever. You can really put in there sparingly and keep all these guys fresh, understanding you want them around cutting off heads in the postseason when it matters, especially if you're potentially the NFC Super Bowl representative and it's Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes coming out of the AFC. Like, I just think pass rusher, the value we place on that position, what ability Robert Quinn still we believe has left and on a team that does not need him to go out there and perform right now. Like Christian McCaffrey to an extent, you know, Debo Samuel dinged up going into this week, came out last week. He's going to have to go out there and start to shoulder a load here pretty soon. Kadarius Tony, we haven't seen do anything of value in the NFL. It's not to say that he can't. He was, again, one of my favorite players to watch in college. Incredibly fun player. But so far, we've got no sample size to work with in the NFL. So I'm not going to be predictive there in an offense that's already lights out. And so I'll go with the Eagles on this one and say what they added at the position of value that they added is understanding and smart team building from a team that's already displayed that all throughout the offseason. But thinking about with your dad, when we talked with your dad yesterday, about adding pieces and that being a big difference. And he kept referencing the Rams in the run that they made, and mainly Matt Stafford, but it was the pickup of OBJ at the last second that really made the Rams different, right? So I, I do think that there's a reality to fresh legs at a uh, at a – specialty position especially in the offensive side of the ball like we saw what uh we saw what DeAndre Hopkins did with uh his first week back with the Cardinals yep. and we expect a lot more of that from the Cardinals and that defense I mean that offense for 
Arizona is different with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. Oh, 100%. And, and Odell Beckham Jr., by the way, going to be a fascinating name to watch down the stretch of the season. Obviously, right, right. he's not dependent on the trade deadline here, but as we get towards the end of the year, we know he already said the Rams made him what he perceived as a bit of a lowball offer. And as teams get down the stretch of the season, he'll be a name to watch. Now, he hasn't played it down. He hasn't been in a building all season, so you won't be 100% sure what kind of shape he's in. But if he can come and give you anything, if you can get another guy like that. So I, I, I think so far, like, all the teams that we talked about making moves here are also all teams that we believe are going to be firmly in the mix. And so that's the exciting part is it's teams starting to fortify this thing, understanding, all right, we've put ourselves in a good position through the season. Let's make sure we stay aggressive because as we talked about yesterday, that's one of the marks of the new league now is people are not content and people understand these Super Bowl windows can close in a heartbeat. And if you're not careful, like for the Philadelphia Eagles, listen, Jason Kelsey's not getting any younger at center, right? Yeah. You look on both sides. He's still an ass kicker. He's, oh, listen, there's no doubt he's still an ass kicker. But all I'm saying is they did draft the guy and have him help draft the guy that they believe they identified that could be his replacement. Lane Johnson's dealt with plenty of injury in his career. Fletcher Cox on the other side of the football. Brandon Graham's coming back off of an injury. Like, there's plenty of things that would say for Philadelphia, especially, you got to go out there and make while the making's good. And to see them do that's really encouraging. And to see more teams realizing that. And we talked about this with the 49ers, that sort of fuck them picks mentality, but going out there and doing it at positions where you know, this is our identity. This is how we are going to win games. And to say, we're going to make sure that that is an overwhelming strength because those are smart positions is just, again, good team building by Howie and everyone in that Eagles building. So going to be exciting. November 1st, the trade deadline will end a very spooky October with, I'd imagine, a very, very exciting Monday. Um, Brandon. You want to get to a very, very exciting weekend that we got coming up in football? Hell yeah. Now, I say that, and I'm kind of lying. Like It's a it's a weird slate on paper this weekend <laughs> for the NFL, but I think there's two games particularly interesting to me. A uh, couple that we've mentioned already. We talked about this 49ers team going on the road to play the Los Angeles Rams this weekend. 49ers are one-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. And we'll remember, they played four weeks ago, and the 49ers physically beat the shit out of them. Sack Matthew Stafford a whole bunch of times, beat them 24-9. Um, now, there's some differences in this game, Brandon. Like, Van Jefferson's coming should be back at wide receiver in this game for the Rams. Brian Allen should be back at center. Eric Armstead hasn't played since that first matchup, one of the great D-tackles in this league. And Debo Samuel might also be out in this game. And so Christian McCaffrey, hope you've been reading the playbook even more after you digested it on a plane ride last week. I still like the 49ers to win this game just because as much as I respect Brian Allen, I don't think one offensive lineman can undo the overwhelming amount of injury you've seen at that position. And for another week of Nick Bosa getting healthy and for another week of Trent Williams getting healthy on offense and another week to figure out ways that you can use Christian McCaffrey beyond just a handoff now in this offense, I think all of that ends up being too much for a Rams team that just doesn't have what it takes up front right now to allow that offense to go out and continue to grow here. It should be closer this time around and I think that line reflects it even though you know the Rams are home dogs but 
I, I just think, again, now that the 49ers have started to get a little bit healthier there. And again, the no Eric Armstead thing matters in the middle of that offensive line. I still think Nick yeah. Bosa is so much the important part of that and making sure he remains healthy after dealing with that groin is going to go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't get away from just the big brother mentality. I mean, these last few regular seasons, the 49ers have had their way with the Rams in the regular season. Uh, that, yeah, that that's goes. also worth pointing out. This isn't the postseason, so you can count on the 49ers to get this done. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like this is like an, an, an automatic thing. Like, I'm I, – I, I'm sorry, uh, dead, dead air alert, but the Rams, I'm hoping, can just get a victory – but I don't know if it does anything for that team. I feel like they're too in the hole psyche-wise. Like, obviously, it takes one game at a time to get inertia and get momentum. With, But I don't know if the Rams are going to get that started with against the 49ers, even with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I love watching Jimmy Garoppolo and Matt Stafford uh, share the same field. Obviously, not on the same – not at the same time. But they're just so much more similar than not a lot of times when I, I – and you shouldn't say that. We shouldn't say that, uh, but Matthew Stafford is a different quarterback ever since he got on that commercial with Lily. Damn. Wow, you're going to call this the Lily curse. That was a good it commercial, too. Curse. Oh, shit, LeBron. Oh. The Lily curse. <gasps> LaMelo. The oh. Lily curse. Brandon. Oh, shit. Did you just unlock something? Is this the new Madden curse? I have. Like the Lily curse. Who else has been? I don't know if there's been anyone else. Everyone who has been with them. Now, minor disclaimer here. AT&T, if you're ever thinking about spending money with the show, we don't actually believe this. We're just playing for fun out here. You guys are wonderful. And I use your cell service. And I have a great time. But outside of that, this might be legit. We may have to explore this right now. We need to start plotting. At Gojo Show on Twitter, if we're missing any athletes that have been in AT&T commercials... Please let us know because we need to start tracking this now. This is the important work people need done. This is like last weekend when we were doing college football records based on teams' win-loss record in the years Taylor Swift had released albums. Really predictive <laughs> metric that we need to now carry over into the the potential Lily Curse. Potential Lily Curse, Mike. I mean, we like you said it before. We haven't heard Levar Levar Ball speak since he was with Lily. That's right. He snuck in the back half of that commercial. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about former athletes. We'll, God we'll, damn we'll it. Dive, we'll dive. We'll do our work. I hate you so much. Um, Brandon, uh, That so that one, uh, very interesting there. Again, I think the Niners have the edge. Uh, one that I, I didn't think about as much, interesting more for Sicko's purposes, the Washington mm. Commanders at the Colts. It's the backup quarterback bowl, baby. You've got Taylor Heineke oh, and man. Sam Ellinger going at it here in uh, – that'll be in Indy this weekend. Over under set at 39 and a half, too. It's just like, just literally uh, a better's mark. Like, what do you think? What's going on? Like, will this. I feel like, I feel like I love a rookie quarterback getting in the end zone a bunch of like first snaps. It's what I was talking about with the Dak Prescott thing. Like, the fact that these defense have no footage on Sam Ellinger or Ellinger or whatever, how we're, however we're going to say his name. Hard G. Like, they're not. They're, huh? Hard G. It's Ellinger. 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 Like, come on. We know he's going to see the end zone a lot. We know he's going to see the end zone a lot. Right? Versus Heineke. Heineke's a, 
We talked about the dog he's gotten in him. Like, I think Heineke actually wants to go out there and win games. Sam Ellinger is just out there going to just try to prove that he that he deserves to be out there. But I sh- shit's going to be swimming for that guy. Yeah, that's going to be a, a wild one. Now, Chase Young hasn't been activated yet for Washington on defense, so still some wonder there. Shaq Leonard could be back for the Colts on defense. No quitty pay, it looks like, for them. So a little bit of give and take on both sides, but if you're talking about a defensive front that could potentially test out that reason why they wanted to go away from Matthew, uh, uh, excuse me, Matt Ryan, the statue, to Sam Ellinger, who... You know, I need to go back and look and see if Sam Ellinger ran a 40 at the Combine. Like, I don't remember him being a fast guy in college. He was a between-the-tackles guy in college. Like, I joked that he grew up with a Tim Tebow poster on his wall and wanted to leave every game covered in blood just like Tim. So I'm not sure that he's going to offer you that much there, but being able to use him in some parts of the run game, definitely going to be an added advantage for them. And uh, listen, we've got a potential for Texas football to be back this weekend, if that's the case, which is also big time. Ooh, I mean, we know Texas football is, is actually back, but it's more proof if if they're doing it in the in the in, in, uh, in the NFL. Colt McCoy, uh, every game that he won in the NFL, Texas fans were celebrating. I, I got to get this forty time for Sam though, because it's I'm obsessed with it. No way, <sighs> Sam Ellinger. You know when I'm you tr- see something, you know when you see something, you're like, huh, is that? But it's probably it's probably fair. Says he says he ran he ran a four eight. Yeah, like honestly, that seems about what I expected from Sam. Like he was gonna run sub five, but it wasn't going to blow you away. He wasn't gonna be like a four right. six or under guy. Yeah, but that one fourteen broad jump, Mike. I mean, I don't want to talk about explosiveness, power. Like that is the dangerous part. Like that's the thing that that's the thing that other athletes watching is like, ooh, he just did that standing right there and jumped that far. Sam Ellinger. All right. We'll see if the power of Sam Ellinger can be on display this weekend here. Brandon, uh, the other one, obviously, of interest. And I, you know what? I shouldn't have shortchanged this weekend because there's like little sickos interesting things that are kind of mixed in with all this. The Giants going out to Seattle, sort of like a Spider-Man pointing meme of teams, except I think Seattle might legitimately have the better quarterback. In fact, no, Seattle does have the better quarterback. I mean, yeah, one's one's uh, in the running for MVP. Yeah, I don't know why I said that so like it's in question. Like one you know. one has a quarterback that the team lets throw the football on a consistent basis, and the other is the New York Giants. It's again, I don't want to turn this into Daniel Jones slander. I'm just saying Giants. it's not the way the offense has operated right now. I don't like the let. I don't like the let, Mike. I don't like the let. You're acting like the the yards aren't in front of Daniel Jones to go tear up. Well, like, and you know what? There. I should say Seattle wants to be a run-first football team too. And with Kenneth Walker, listen, with Kenneth Walker they and Saquon been. Barkley as your running backs in this game, get your popcorn ready. Like this is going to be yeah. two of the dynamic young running backs in the league. So that's an awesome matchup. But I, the way Geno Smith played, he's legitimately the better quarterback in this game, and that's a wild statement to make, even if we didn't think super highly of Daniel Jones coming into the season. Mike, there was a, a clip that was going around social media of uh, I think it was the Seahawks' second touchdown, and Geno just made a made a uh, an adjustment at the line of scrimmage for a go route that, that went for a touchdown. I'm only bringing that up, Mike, because it's that level of things that makes Geno different now. He's not a backup quarterback in that way. He's like 
he is a veteran quarterback that's been sitting. I, I don't even know what to how to compare him because the first time we're seeing him, but his face is so goddamn long. He's got defensive um, back confidence at quarterback. Like we've talked about some of the quotes he's thrown yeah. out there. DB is one of those positions, and I always remember talking to guys who would say, "You can will yourself to being better than your physical ability with attitude at that spot up to a certain point." At quarterback, Geno Smith has kind of attituded and confidenced his way back to a point where no one thought he was going to be able to get through. Like, he's got Dan Orlovsky doing touchscreen segments about him on NFL Live. As a quarterback, if that's happening, you've likely made it. Like, the Giants offense, I saw a clip that Dan put out on Twitter of them running power, something like eight times in a row, and then calling a naked boot for their quarterback. That is the Giants offense, and it's worked really well for them. And the Seattle Seahawks offense got their quarterback highlighted on NFL Live. Like, that's the difference in this game potentially Seattle obviously favored because this is out at whatever they call century link now I don't know that lumen field is it lumen sure yeah I, I, I can see it written but I can't pronounce it yeah it is it's um, lumen you field. don't think you don't think that's the worst thing for uh what's the head coach name Pete Carroll like Pete Carroll is probably this is worst nightmare to be beat by a team that just runs the ball against them and then they do a uh a quarterback, uh, a, a play action pass. God, for that's a, a huge chunk yardage. Like, that's exactly, like, Pete Carroll does not want that to happen. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You wonder if Pete Carroll will start to get sick of all of this talk about how well his quarterback's playing and start to say, let's rein this in and have even more Kenneth Walker in this offense. Like it'll be what happened I mean, I'm, with it'll be what happened with Pitt and Pat Narduzzi, where last year they had a quarterback that was able to throw the ball all over the yard. They had an offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple who wanted to do all that. And they were like, No, we win with defense and running the ball around here and made sure that they turtle shelled that whole thing up. So maybe you get some of that and see for Pete Carroll, who is notoriously conservative. I mean, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Carroll had Geno Smith giving looks to the defense when he's like, get out there. Like, <laughs> we need to defend against Daniel Jones. Oh, my God. The uh, the last one I wanted to look at, Brandon, because it's it's a, it's a, it's a first in a long time. Um, the Sunday Nighter, Green Bay at Buffalo. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a double-digit underdog this weekend. Aaron Rodgers had gone 234 straight starts to begin his career without being a double-digit underdog, the longest streak to begin a career in the Super Bowl era, including playoffs. This is uncharted territory. And, Brandon, we just watched a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who we have looked at as the closest comp to what's gone wrong with the Green Bay Packers. Get their... I mean, get physically whooped on Thursday night football. Now, it's not a short week, but I look at Green Bay, who Alan Lazard, their best wide receiver, said he doubts he's going to be able to go. So unless is this this is the ultimate act of gamesmanship, you're going to be without the one receiver that Aaron Rodgers has been able to count on. Still no Randall Cobb, who's out with injury. Like, Tell me the part of this that's supposed to go well for this Green Bay Packers team against the best team in football. Who's also coming off a bye, by the way. The Bills are coming off a fucking bye from last week. This is this is one of those games where 
I'm going to be an idiot, and spoiler alert for six thick picks, I'm going to bet the Bills minus 11 in this game, and then the NFL is going to happen. This is I, I already know what's happening. Yes. So again, this is prime fade Mike territory. I am going to fly so yes. close to the sun on this because I believe Buffalo is truly a buzzsaw this year, and I believe that Green Bay defense is going to let them get pushed around up front. We saw Buffalo go and push around the Kansas City Chiefs up front in their game quite a bit. I just think it's going to go that way, which means without fail, the NFL is going to happen because the NFL is the weirdest place on earth. We're now all of a sudden against the best team in football because it's a primetime matchup. Green Bay will show up and melt all of our brains for the rest of the season. This is a trust issues game. I'm, this is a trust issues I, game. <laughs> trust issues, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I can't talk about trust issues. I can't stop thinking about Aaron Rodgers in this spot. Like I'm thinking about when's the last time Aaron Rodgers – well, I guess there's no last time Aaron Rodgers was a, a double-digit yeah, underdog none. and made the, made, the, made, made the shit happen. So this is, there is no last time for this. But like with Tom Brady, and we talked about this last week, I, I, I believe the giant dies when I see him laying on the ground and he doesn't wake up for a whole quarter. Like I think I, I'm very skeptical – and I love that line, Mike, because I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is drinking mushroom tea with his with his offensive weapons, and they're looking at the line, and they're meditating, and they're saying positive mantras and and and, and good motivation. And I feel like this is one of the games where it's like when 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 the Washington Commanders randomly. Uh, beat a team that they have no business beating, and that could be any team in the NFL. Let's say the Seattle Seahawks. Like this has the inklings of a bad team with a good name beating a good team with a formerly bad name, but now good team, good name. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like you said, the NFL is going to happen. Yeah, at some point, and this does, this happens every year. You mentioned it's October, spooky shit happens. I am I yes. am really going in the face of every energy in my body, and I'm trying to rely on the football that says nothing about this Green Bay team has been dependable this year. The lines of scrimmage have not been stout. They are still banged up. I think David Bakhtiari wasn't practicing still the other day. We didn't see him uh, much in that game last week as that line got shuffled around again. And so I'm just looking and going, what about that situation now down your best wide receiver potentially is going to get demonstrably better. I'm going to trust my eyes and that this is not a good football team. And Buffalo at every turn this year has gone out and played the part of the buzzsaw. So that is, uh, that's the NFL When's the last weekend. time Josh Allen shit the bed? Um, the last time I remember, well, I mean, I don't know if it was shit to bed, like he lost that greatest playoff game we've ever seen against the Kansas City Chiefs. The last time I remember Josh Allen truly pooping his pants was that playoff game, his like second year, where he took a 26-yard sack and just YOLO'd the ball up in the air or some wild shit. So yeah. it's I mean, it's those first been, couple years with him. It's been a while, and that wild. team is just so good top to bottom. So yeah. again, setting it up for the NFL to happen. We'll get to six thick picks in a bit as we fly too close to the sun, but uh the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. 
You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, um, couple uh, in- college football is interesting this weekend because there's a couple of ranked ranked matchups that I don't think are going to be super close. A couple of rivalry games that I don't think are going to be super close. Now, I'm on the call for Michigan State at Michigan this weekend, which number four ranked Michigan, unranked Michigan State, Paul Bunyan's trophy, rivalry game, Michigan State's won the last two of these games. So anything can happen, but on paper, this is going to be a really tough road to toe for Michigan State going up against a Michigan team that looks just as potent as last year, maybe even a little more on offense. I I love a rivalry week, Mike, because – you can throw the records out the window, and I and I and I and I felt so good saying that cliche. Oh my gosh, that felt so good. Did it I'm feel good to that. unburden yourself I love from Robert that? Week. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just believed it all over again. You know why? Because I love rivalry week. Because well, with rivalries. This is this isn't technically rivalry week. I think rivalry week is like the around Thanksgiving. So okay, this technically. Mike. I'm not talking about I'm mean, a week in which in which a rivalry is had, and you know, yeah, this is well, and but also I do think that they the Michigan is probably just gonna you know, Michigan State's look really really bad this year. Michigan really, State's really pass defense continues to be one of the worst in college football, inexplicably year to year. When your head coach is a guy that cut his teeth in the secondary and is working with that position more closely now to try and remedy it. They just haven't been able to get that done offensively. No Kenneth Walker has really, surprise, surprise, taken a bite out of crime on that offense. And so uh, Michigan, I, I, the thing I've said going into this game is if you're Michigan, I think this is really an opportunity for you to go in here and challenge the downfield passing game. J.J. McCarthy, Ronnie Bell, and these and the crew in the wide receiver core. That's the weakness of this Michigan State defense. They've been banged up up front along the D-line, but it's the back end where you're going to go and find the most success. So can Michigan take advantage of that? Because if you let this Michigan State team hang around past a quarter, they've got the belief. They've got a you know they've got a quarterback uh, in Clayton, uh, Peyton Thorne, who is a veteran guy who has been around your team before who's been a part of these games and winning against this team so you don't have that boogeyman of oh we haven't beaten this team in a while which will make that interesting Ohio State at Penn State ranked ranked number two Ohio State versus number 13 Penn State in Happy Valley I was just there last weekend Brandon I could see this going real sideways for the home team Um, this is not so Brandon the thing I said about last week was the one thing that worried me about Penn State was Minnesota walked into their place in a wideout and had that as a one-score game at halftime. They were down their 
best receiver in Chris Ottman-Bell already for the past three games. They were down Tanner Morgan, their all-time winning as quarterback, and started a guy named Ethan Kaliak-Manis, who had played in five games but not started any, and his first start was in a road-fucking-whiteout at Penn State. And they had it as a one-score game. And they had it as a one-score game at halftime. Now, they pulled away at the end because obviously, but this is a different animal walking in here. Penn State still has that sting of Michigan and what they did to them on the ground. And so I have very real fears about what that game ends up looking like this weekend, which makes potentially the most fun matchup and the most important matchup for the overall landscape of college football. Kentucky at Tennessee. Number 19, Kentucky on the road against number three, Tennessee, Brandon. And... We know Tennessee, they had the win against Alabama. That one's going to live long down there as the goalposts are probably still floating down the river somewhere. But Kentucky had a bye week last week. Will Levis, who had been in and out dealing with a turf toe injury against Ole Miss on October 1st and missed the game against South Carolina, should be good to go. Uh, last year, he threw for 372 yards and three touchdowns against Tennessee. So, They've got a quarterback that can go out there and make life difficult for you. They've got a really good defense, does Kentucky. I still don't think it's enough. But this is a big maturity test for Tennessee. Can you go take care of a team that has been something of a thorn in your side and respond even after beating Alabama? I don't... I I don't believe... I don't believe that Kentucky has it, but I really, really want them to because that would just throw a monkey wrench in this college football playoffs that is looking like we're going to have three representatives from the SEC conference. And I'm not a big fan of that, Mike. So I got to go for anarchy. I got to pull for the home team, uh, Kentucky, to upset Tennessee, even though I've been pulling for Tennessee this entire time. But, Mike, and and we don't have – I don't have anything interesting to say about this game outside of – talking about specifically this game also in Kentucky Wake Forest number 10 is coming to Louisville and Louisville's probably biggest AS, uh, ACC game that they'll have this year and as up and down as they've been they're going to need everything they ha- get, have to even make it competitive against Wake Forest but I say that to say there's uh, other options out there for anarchy this week yeah it certainly is um and I I uh That'll be one to pay attention to. Sam Hartman's Wake Forest, who's played a bunch of good teams really close. That Clemson game down to the wire into overtime, all that. So big challenge for what has been an interesting situation for Scott Satterfield and that Louisville team. Um, Just to put a bow on it, the biggest thing I'll be paying attention to in the Kentucky game, what happens in the red zone. Super explosive offense for Tennessee. Very bad passing defense. So while... You know, Will Levis and company, there's going to be yards to be had in the passing game. Chris Rodriguez coming back in that old Miss game changed the dynamic for them, made them a lot tougher up front in a rushing offense that had been pretty anemic to start the season. But when you look, ultimately the difference is game is going to be touchdowns. Tennessee, you're not going to win kicking field goals or anything and the like. Kentucky is 94th in red zone touchdown percentage in the country. Now, they're 56th since Chris uh, Rodriguez had come back versus Ole Miss. So that does make somewhat of a difference. But Kentucky doesn't sack the quarterback. They're 112th in sack percentage. And Tennessee is 15th in red zone efficiency on defense. So say what you want about them giving up passing yards. They can handle their business on the ground. And when the the field starts to shrink, they can come to work. So I I think this is going to be a big boy weekend for Tennessee. I think they're going to show up. I think this is a team... 
mature veteran quarterback in Hendon Hooker, who since he stepped foot onto the field last year in the role of quarterback in this offense, has looked composed and has looked in control of all of the gadgetry that has been put in front of him by Josh Heupel. And I don't see any reason for that to stop this weekend. So that's Brandon will be the perfect segue into six thick picks. But before we get started with the weekend, we got to make sure we look good for the weekend here. That's where our friends, your yes. friends, all of our friends, we're all hanging out on the weekends, man, cracking open, cracking open a couple of cold ones, sitting around talking shit about whose high school football team would have beat whose high school football team, who had legitimate <laughs> D1 basketball offers and could absolutely go give work to the starting basketball team at school. Real life. It's real life. That's why you got to throw the shades on like Brandon did. Knock around sunglasses. Our friend, your friend. Polarized sunglasses for $30 a pair with fast shipping and a real wide variety of options here. Now, they've got a bunch of set stuff on the website that you can go and absolutely pick. They've done a great job curating great looks, styles, all sorts of things. But if you want to get creative, the Knock Around Custom Shop has over a billion possible combinations, different colors, different frames, All of those things that you can get. Arms, lenses, logos, you name it. They will let you change it. They've got the cool rubber nose thing so it doesn't slip or move around on you. If you want to take these out for a spin, do dynamic head activity, all the above at your fingertips. All you got to do, knock arounds, polarize, high quality sunglasses, get them at a truly affordable price by going to knockaround.com. And our listeners are going to get 20% off by entering code GOJO at checkout. So again, go to knockaround.com enter code gojo at checkout and you'll get 20 percent off some of the best looking shades in the world i'll make that claim they didn't write that claim in, in the, the copy world. but i'll make that claim i love it the world in the world all right brandon they need need security in the world craig top flight security <laughs> in the world craig I'm still so shook about Lily. We need to get we need to get to the end of this podcast here. Oh man. Which Brandon means it's time. And the last time that we will get. Now I'm going to clear out every week we do our picks, six thick picks, three college, three pro for me, and then Brandon Newman's last spooky October underdog play of the week. October will come to an end on Tuesday of next week, which means all the spooky mm-hmm. funny business get out of the way. So again, Brandon, I will Get through my picks here expeditiously. Get out of the way for you. Big week last week, by the way. Four and two on the weekend. Four and two on the weekend for your boy. And again, really, I didn't put it on there because I didn't say it on the pod last weekend, but I ended up betting UNLV plus 26 against Notre Dame. That's the only advice I'm going to give you. I love my alma mater. I think they have a very real shot at winning at Syracuse this weekend. But we are a chaos team right now. And so unless Notre Dame is a double-digit favorite over another team, then you bet that other team. If not, stay away from Notre Dame games right now. You don't need to be betting that. You don't need to do that to yourself. I have gone off the habit of betting Notre Dame this season outside of that moment. I've gone out of doing it publicly because I want good things for my alma mater and I don't want to have any active hand. I don't need any other rooting interest in those games. It's too painful for me already watching those games. And so, with that in mind, Brandon. That's that's very big of you, Mike. Self-reflective and all that. If I can, as a 33-year-old, learn and grow in some ways and stop ruining my weekends by letting Notre Dame football emotionally devastate me, then I'm never going to be the person I want to be, the man I want to be. Someday, maybe even the father I want to be. Who knows? So, all those things. All those things. All right. Uh, College plays this weekend. We got three here. Um, 
Another big one, uh, as we look at the Big 12, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Oklahoma State actually a dog in this game on the road in Manhattan, Kansas. Oklahoma State, I like them getting one and a half points. I think this team survived a big-time scare against the Texas team that can really move the ball around with Quinn Ewers and company. Adrian Martinez, it sounds like, is going to be good enough to go in this game. Got banged up in Kansas State's last game that they managed to hold on in. I like K-State. I like the Adrian Martinez story. Deuce Vaughn's one of the coolest running backs in college football. But ultimately, I think this Oklahoma State team is proved themselves too consistent in a number of situations. TCU got one over on them, but there's no one, even with Deuce Vaughn being in there, there's no one as far as a weapon, a move piece on the field that affects the defense the way Quentin Johnston did with TCU against Oklahoma State. So I'll take Oak State plus one and a half in that game. This, Brandon, is back to our bread and butter. Iowa and Northwestern. Now, this game opened up somewhere around a line of 31 and a half. It was historically low. Like, I think may have opened up, and if it had hold, it would have been by far the lowest line in the history, in the like history that we can find of college football. It is close. It is now, I got it at 37 and a half points. We're hammering the under, baby. Northwestern wants to get up and run a bunch of plays. I don't care. These offenses, even if I was making a change at quarterback, I don't trust anything that's happening with that offense, and you shouldn't either for either of these teams. So we're going to ride Iowa unders because we're Americans and we have to have something to believe in, and Iowa going under on 37.5 feels like that place to stake our claim. Last one here, Brandon, Ohio State minus 14.5. I think they, they go into Happy Valley, and I think they make this very unfun. You don't think you don't think a, a whiteout game or any well, type of gimmick could possibly? Nope. I think they uh, I think they cashed their whiteout ticket appropriately for a game that they knew they were going to win. I uh, I, I don't feel good about this for the folks in Happy Valley. Um, NFL for the weekend. Quick before we get to your underdog play, Brandon. Um, Jacksonville and Denver. Jacksonville going back home to London, getting ready to play the game on Sunday morning. Dan Orlovsky, friend of the program, going to be on the call for that one. Very excited for Dano over in foggy London town. Uh, under thir- or, uh, excuse me, over 39 and a half in this game. Seems counter, seems counterintuitive, but London, weird shit. I'm going to go against my better judgment on this one and say they get over 39 and a half in this game. I think Jacksonville should win this game, but... Again, freaky stuff. Russell Wilson doing high knees on the plane. Voodoo magic in this game. I'll go over 39 and a half on this one. We already talked about this game. San Francisco minus one and a half against Los Angeles. I like San Fran to win this game by at least a field goal. So I feel pretty good about that. And I'm going to get wild. Bills minus 11. This is the, the ignorant pick. This is the one where I'm most worried about the NFL happening. But I believe in this Bills team. They have been trustworthy, and the Green Bay Packers have not been. No Alan Lazard in this game. They're looking towards the trade deadline. You see Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers at practice talking a ton, probably about who the hell they're going to ship what and where. I like Buffalo minus 11 this game. So that is where I'm at, Brandon. I cede the floor to you for the Spooky Locktober Underdog Play of the Week. Mike, the last spooky Locktober pick of the week is the biggest, (laughs) the baddest, (laughs) the scariest pick I've ever picked with the biggest line. Steelers 
plus 10 and a half against the unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, this is brotherly love against brotherly love. The same city, or the same state, state foes, right? Philly and Pittsburgh. We're talking about an Eagles team that's unbeaten, that's coming off of a bye. Getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think there's a little bit less interest in this game from the Eagles. I think the Steelers that are sitting at the bottom of the AFC North have nothing to fight for and really just want to prove legitimacy in some way. I think Kenny Pickett is going to clean up his I think he's got like a two to seven ratio between touchdowns and interceptions. I think he's going to. He puts the pick and pick it. He puts the pick and pick it. Always does. And Mike Tomlin, Mike, someone who I said is going to be excited to see him coach through his first losing season when the season started. I don't believe it. I don't believe it anymore. I, 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 I have faith in them to an extent. But this will be the biggest upset of the season, of the NFL season, and I'm locking it in as my last wow. spooky Locktober pick of October. The Steelers will cover. I would love if they won, but I don't need them to win. I mean, I learned from my mistakes with these lock picks. I'm just going to take the points. The Steelers will cover. All right, there you go. Brandon's last spooky Locktober underdog play of the week. Going out with a bang. Going out with an unmitigated bang, uh, trying to call this uh, at least against the spread upset for what has been one of the best, if not the best team in football for most of the year. At Gojo Show on Twitter, if you got anything you think we missed on this front. But Brandon, one more time for the week. We're here. It's no. ready. I know. I know. Don't get too uh-uh. worried. But Brandon, I have to do it. I have to ask you. Do you know what time it is? I just laughed menacingly, so I was gonna I refrain from doing so. But yes, I know what time it is. It's like when I put a double L. It's October, Mike. I put two LOLs in a text. I hate that. You bookend it with an LOL, I feel awkward after I have to apologize midwesternly. Start start with the LOL and with the LOL. Um You may not know this one, Mike, but it's a Halloween classic, so get ready. Always a good start. Skeletons and shivers down your spine. Streaking skulls will shock your soul. Seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons. This, that, and the third. You shake and shudder with surprise when you hear their zombie shriek. I actually thought, like, even Brandon, I don't know the song. I really enjoyed it. Like, I want to hear the song now. (laughs) Enjoy it. Brandon, most of life is about execution, and that was well executed. We had you stumbling drunk over the the, uh, overheads will roll the other day in what was like a car crash of interest. This was really well done. This was like you parallel parking in front of a crowded restaurant. Oh my gosh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Spooky Scary Skeletons. Uh, They said it may have started in the 1950s, but I also saw it got remade and 
2006. It's a, it's a true form Halloween song. It gets deep and it talk about skeletons. Like, can I can I say on the skeleton skeletons. and Halloween front, I have been stunned. I didn't know that Los Angeles was as into Halloween as people present. It's wild. Okay, actually, that's a perfect segue because I wanted to bring up this Jason Kelsey, Jason Kelsey quote. You saw him going to getting dressed, going to the game last week in his Jesus sandals and his uh-huh. uh, Philadelphia Eagles shirt. He said, "I don't, I don't like to play dress up. I like to play football." It was one of the reasons why he came dressed the way he did for the game. L.A. likes to play dress up, so uh, Halloween is right up L.A.'s alley. That does make sense. There, by the way, like sick burn to his brother. I mean, constantly though, right? Yeah, but no, it, I, I guess I undervalued that, Brandon. You're right. Place that likes to play dress up, but I was getting texts for Sarah Spain, who, you know, friend of the program, even though I don't think we've had her on yet, but she will be on at some point. No. ESPN radio host yes. text me and was like, you need to go to the nightmare before Christmas house. That's over in this Manhattan Beach neighborhood that's not far from my place. I had walked by it that day. I was visiting friends of ours and walked by it that day. Brandon, it's incredible. They have listed showtimes for a light and sound show that they put on for the children of the neighborhood. It's remarkable. What? I thought you were about to say showtimes of every time Nightmare Before Christmas was showing on cable. Like that. <laughs> like they just they're like, like a TV guide, but for the house. neighborhood. <laughs> Yes, but also I, I had this conversation with my little sister earlier today. Do you consider the Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes, a Halloween movie or Chris? You, you do consider it a Halloween? It's it's both. I will gladly play it at either during either season. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I, there's there's definitely both both because she was she she was just in her bag. I think she was maybe listening to the podcast. She was in her take season. She was like, if if Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie, then The Grinch is a Halloween movie too. And I was like... Uh, what? Mm, no, that's... No. So just because one person is in costume <laughs> and very mean and evil doesn't make it a Halloween movie. Yeah, I, like, not at all. That's... I, I like... Listen, I'm not, I'm not here to shame your family, but it's an objectively bad take. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't do anything very, with very it. Very bad. Yes. I can't. I can't. Yeah, so it comes. It runs in the family. Genetic takes, which that seems like a dark road to go down. So we're not going to experiment with genetically Ooh, genetic modified takes. takes. Yeah. From the people Ooh, who brought man. you GMO comes GMTs, and we're not ready for that one right now. Going and altering the DNA of a take. You know what? Oh wow! F- like 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 fi- uh, file like that Jurassic Park. File that away for the off season. Genetically modified takes. We'll get in the lab. In in the meantime, Brandon. Um, let's get to this, that, and the third. Uh, and let's start off with this. Um, we have got the Astros and the Phillies getting started with the World Series game one coming up uh, as this podcast releases on a Friday. Here, Brandon, you and I have famously covered baseball very little on this podcast leading up to this, off blind faith and nothing but what we've learned in recent le- weeks. Here, who you got and how many games? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Philly. I'm gonna go Philly in five. I'm gonna go Philly in five. Philly in five. All right, reckless. I. Yes, yes. Uh, unlike my October pick of the week, this is spawned off of and fueled by my hatred for cheaters. 
You know what? Suck it, Houston. I and you know what? I get it. No one should want Houston to win. They managed to. I'd still say super impressive. They managed to walk through all those cheating allegations. Clearly, now a team that was going to be impossible for them to cheat, and all they did was beat the shit out of everyone. It didn't the matter. Season. They went. They are so far unblemished in Major League Baseball's postseason. I mean, hitting the Yankees so hard that they booed Aaron Judge, and now people are wondering if that's going to affect their ability to go out here and bring people in in the offseason. That's how hard they broke the Like, they baned the Yankees. They said, first I'll break your spirit, but first I'll break your body. They baned the Yankees. And and I think it's because the Yankees fans were like, really? To the Astros? Oh, yeah. Like, like, uh, the, the, the genesis of our frustration with baseball uh but yeah i i don't i don't like i mean i love jose atuve just because i like him standing next to taller players and seeing that but i i just don't i just am not a i'm not a big fan mike and i and i hope also there's this guy in houston named mattress mike yeah you hear about this guy oh yeah oh yeah yeah. mattress mattress mike is a very uh yeah very very usual championship character down there yeah, I don't know. He, he's he's set to become a, a multimillionaire, even deeper multimillionaire, if the Astros win. And I just can't have it. I can't let it happen, Mike. <laughs> I love Kolachki's in Houston. I love Paul Wall. I love drill music. I love uh, l- sip and slide, lean and low. I, I don't love strip clubs. I do love food that they serve at strip clubs, but Word. all the things that Houston offers. But I don't know. I, I they can't they can't win the World Series. So, Who you have? Uh, yeah, uh, Jim uh, Jim Mackingvale, uh, Mattress Mac. He's the owner of Gallery Furniture in Houston. And according to this, um, he is set to win $75 million uh, if the Astros go on to win this. So, Imagine uh, that, that bet that he put down. Oh, it, I mean, it's got to be just, ass. Just the arrogance on Mattress Mac. The temerity, the unmitigated gall. Um, uh, by the way, the Astros uh, minus 185 favorites on DraftKings uh, for the series here. I am going to pick the Astros in five. I I want to see Philly go out there and get one. This has been a fun team. They've been the poster for the new expanded MLB playoffs. They were the last seed yeah. in. They uh, The last seed in, in the National League. You had Bryce Harper hitting that two-run shot in the bottom of the eighth inning that's going to go down in Philadelphia sports history if they end up doing anything in this World Series and getting the win. They made a manager change in the middle of the year. All that shit that I think is just going to be crushed under the foot of reality that this Astros team is just a hammer. So I'll be happy for Dusty Baker. He was a guy that got thrown in there to basically clean up somebody else's mess and people thought they were going to leave him for dead. And now there's a chance Dusty Baker could go out here and win himself a World Series, which would be exciting. So uh, that is Gojo does baseball. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that and uh, get right back to football where we feel safe and warm. Uh, Mm -hmm. This tweet from... Kelsey Conway, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, she covers them, as I pull this up right now, for the Cincinnati Inquirer and for USA Today. Uh, she said, from the sources I spoke with about Jamar Chase's hip injury, which is the reason that he's supposed to be out four to six, the reason the timeline is so up in the air regarding his return is that the team hopes because of his physical makeup, Jamar's hip will heal faster than the average person. Brandon, the Cincinnati Bengals source is essentially just indicating Jamar Chase built different. 
I mean, I, I can't. I'm still thinking about when Michael Holly came on this podcast and said that he saw Jamar Chase from across the field and thought it was an outside linebacker. Like, I, I still have that in my head. And I listen, the doctors know more than we do, Mike. And if you look at if you look at the if you look at the film and if you look at the the stats and if you look at his uh, his his sheet uh, his sheet and his family record, he is like quite by definition built different. Like he's he's meant to come back faster. Now, he is Wolverine. I was just gonna I was just gonna say he is no longer a Bengal. He is Wolverine. I'm picturing him on the screen in the movie clip from the Bourne Identity where they're watching him rehab. Jesus Christ! It's Jason Bourne. Like, Jesus Christ, it's Jamar Chase who just goes out here and is adamantium bones and is going to survive this. But a hip, Mike? A hip? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, a, a an extremity or a, a, a part of the body that could possibly heal fast based on how much milk a growing boy is, is, is drinking. Uh, just, you know, tongue-in-cheek, obviously. But a hip for a wide receiver? For Jamar Chase, like that, I would, I, it was, almost, I would almost expect the Russ, uh, the Zach Wilson treatment of like, no, take six weeks, sir. Yeah, I, and it's tough for the Bengals because, like, I'm sure he's thought is they can't afford six weeks of me gone because so much of this offense, like, you've got T Higgins still in that receiver room, but Jamar Chase has kind of been the dog when you've needed a dog, so. I don't know how that's going to look, but I just love I love the idea of doctors coming in every day and just being completely dumbfounded and watching everything they know about medical science ripped to shreds by Jamar Chase's very built different body. So we hope he gets a speedy return. I want to see Jamar Chase back out there. Yeah, we all do. We all do. I just but now I want to see his sales regenerate also. It does on, it, on a time lapse. It does take me all the way back to our first day at Notre Dame with our teammate former teammate Kyle Rudolph, who's with the Bucks now. When you see people that yes. are truly built different and how much it fucks with your head. Yeah. Like we came in freshman year and we all went into the weight room to do this functional movement screening where they have you, you know, stepping over a ladder and doing a lot of things one footed and testing your balance and all these jacked up ways. And Kyle went first and aced the the test like it all looked like it was supposed to do on the chart it was like watching the chart of the doctor's office go out and complete athletic tasks and then all of us went up there and fell all over themselves and that's why Kyle was Captain America our freshman year yes he got the he got the nickname pretty quickly and it was like a it was like a montage of quite literally Captain America working out watching Kyle run through that and then it was like this three stooges music queued oh. up watching us fall over ourselves and like it's like oh no you have to stretch this leg like oh i'm trying yeah how, how the fuck did he do that we were we were on some bad news bear stuff so when you see people that are <laughs> not mere mortals like the rest of us in person it inspires this kind of conference we hope that's the case for the uh, yeah. cincinnati Bengals. brandon uh let's get to the third um I was sitting around today, and I'll tell you exactly how this came together. So someone posted a picture after we talked yesterday about Rhaenyra Targaryen and the game of the uh, House of the Dragon recap. And they showed that picture of her walking for the first time into the Dragonstone Hall with the big map on the table as the queen. And in the background, they had some Game of Thrones-ass music in there. And I, I think accurately pointed out Actually, with her entire character arc, Meek Mill's dreams and nightmares would be a far more apt entrance for her. 
hold up, wait a minute, mm-hmm. y'all thought I was finished. Like, that is yes. the energy that she rolled into that shit with. And then it got me to thinking, obviously, about the 2017 Eagles, who could have fought and defeated God that day, and he would have stood no chance. Again, God God plus 10 against the 2017 Eagles the minute that started getting right. played in the stadium. And so it got me to God, think... God would have had he would have he would have had to have Legarrette Blunt on his team. He didn't. No, he didn't. God God had no Blunt that day. God God would have been looking up at the sky, asking himself for help against that Eagles team. They would have decleated the Lord. Oh my goodness! But Brandon, all that got me to thinking: What is the most potent pregame drug? that you can take when it comes in the form of a song. Because for years, before the Dreams and Nightmares spectacle, going back to our time in college, I always pointed to Sea Murders, Sea Murders, down for my... Yes, yes. That was the song that if you put it on in the locker room, without fail, it was like... It was like you put something in the air where if you put it on in one corner of the locker room, all of a sudden you'd see people come running over to that section. Everyone's head bobbing. Everyone starts mobbing a little bit. It gets a little loose. And I thought that one, I thought Nuck If You Buck was going to be one. Elle Duncan famously played Nuck If You Buck at her wedding, and I'm surprised there weren't more things broken in the video that we saw. And I think Dreams and Nightmares has supplanted all of those. Like, Brandon, when you think of all-time pregame tracks, what's up there for you? Because I feel like these are some Hall of Famers. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a 90s baby. So, and I grew up around predominantly white kids. So, uh, the thing that hits my my bones a little different. I would say this, before I even got to high school, Ludacris, uh, it's called Got Them, uh, featuring Titty Boy, I-20, Chingy, and Ludacris, and it's just like a just a big shoot 'em up track. Got them guns, they go cat, cat, cat. I used to listen to it before every game in youth league. So like the reason why we know each other is because I listened to that song. because uh, I used to go just messing people up. Um, but in high school, Mike, Fate, Faint from Lincoln Park. Oh man, yeah. See, now you're speaking like, young Mike Golick Jr.'s language. <laughs> I'm like, not my, my collision course. I'm talking like that that song mike i'm gonna have to calm down right now like it it really does something to me yeah i i would say in the interest of like extremely caucasian bangers like that saint anger my metallica was always one that did it for me incredible build up i like that's that's what that song is it's it's also one of those songs brandon that when we talk about like for us our childhood being so like latched on to music videos that we remember they went and shot that music video in san quentin's prison and it was just lit as hell so that always sticks in my craw pretty much anything by breaking benjamin i still go back to the well on that one early and often now but what is breaking benjamin it's just another like alt rock kind of new metalish group just give me a, 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 a hit from it I, I don't know a hit from it. um I mean, until the end, Evil Angel, uh, Diary of Jane, Medicaid. Like, it, again, it's a bunch of like nonsense words that aren't gonna. Be, just you can go check it out. Again, it's 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 Lincoln Park tangent, and so for that reason, I think you'll yes, enjoy okay. it. But Brandon, all of this also makes me think the one pregame track from our time, our first two years at Notre Dame, that was a mandate. Do you remember it? 
So Charlie Weiss was our head coach our first two years at Notre Dame. And how it works in the preseason is every year before the start of the season, we have a big whiteboard in the locker room. And we would go and we would workshop all the songs that we wanted to make up our pregame songs. We would get to choose all that and have a say mm-hmm. in it. And you'd have guys going in there, writing stuff off. We'd be voting on it, wipe, you know, wiping stuff off. And when Charlie Weiss is our head coach, who had won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots and Tom Brady in those early years, he had one thing that had to be on that track list because it was on the track list for them in New England and it was who let the dogs out (laughs) and Brandon I I mean I still love Coach Weiss to this day I talk to Coach Weiss all the time like he's someone who's been very good to me over the course of life but when that song would come on and we'd be stretching out on the field I could not look across the field at the other team (laughs) Because I knew they were judging us. It's like, oh lord. Look out, the Notre Dame is letting the dogs out. The party was nice, the party was jumping! (laughs) Yeah, there's too many parts during that song where it's just straight kids bock whimsical nonsense for it to be blaring for... (laughs) A pregame song. It was, it was, it's. I thought, I thought you were going to say something from Bon Jovi. Like I was, I was waiting for, like, maybe I forgot a, a Bon Jovi or Bruce Brings, a Bruce Springsteen cut that uh, Weiss forced in. But Baja Man Mike, yeah. uh, that is. Oh, who, who let the dogs out? I do remember that. It was almost, it was at the, be- it was near the beginning. It was like we. It was. We were down it on. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily hype, but it was in the mix. It was down on the. We, we had just gotten usually down onto the field after walking out from the tunnel through the stadium. I remember it clear as day. We were down on there, and I would sit down and I would start stretching, facing the end zone, so I wouldn't have to look at Michigan State over on the other side of the field. Um, we hope you remember to let the dogs out during the course of this podcast. If you enjoyed it, download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Tweet us at Gojo Show. Let us know what you believe to be the all-time greatest pregame tracks. Anything you've had on a hype list before a game. Anything you've heard blaring in the speakers at a stadium that you get down with. Make sure you leave us that in the five-star rating and the review or at Gojo Show on Twitter. And also, check us out. Subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube channel. If you haven't done it already, go and do it. Check out the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. page. Watch videos there. At least put the like, the thumbs up thing on there if you're not going to like it. And above all else, be safe this weekend. We love you. Have a good one. We'll talk to you on Monday.